are live. Thank you, thank you. Welcome to the Asteroid Love Story podcast, which this one is sponsored by CanLab.net and the, the CanLab.net. I don't know. Are you the owner? I don't know what's your role in it, but he's with uh, us. <laughs> I'm the owner. I answer phone calls. I do everything in the company. You do everything from <laughs> So he's with us, and uh, we have a lot to talk about because what's very interesting from the peptide world is is it's kind of almost evolving every week now. It's almost like steroids was the same for like 25 years. And now growth hormone happened, insulin happened, and then in the, the the PCT HRT world had really like blow up to a new dimension and the myostatin blocker slowly taking place also in the bodybuilding world slowly in some elite type of uh, uh, prognostic. But uh, all to say that peptide will be, I think, the medicine of the future. I will go as far as that. And I will, I will say also that maybe to one extent, steroids could come almost non-ester based, almost no side effect, very long half-life. So maybe that's a dream, but I think that's going to happen before I die. So uh, that's what I think regarding the future. So Jean-Francois, welcome with us, my friend. Hey, thank you for having me again. Thank nice, you, thank uh, you. Nice to be Before here. We post on uh, Spotify, Podbean, uh, uh, Google, uh, iTunes, and uh, name it all, it's going to be everywhere. And um, we're here to, uh, you know, make your company known. I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty established. It's been how long now? It's been three, four, five years. Four, four years. It's going to be five. Hold on, two twenty. Yeah, for almost five years now. So five years. You know, when, when, when you cross the line of five years, you know that it's just going to grow from there. I mean, there's usually people that don't deliver quality. They kind of get struck out of the industry very fast because, as you know, people has no transparency and they can critic your product very fast. So it's almost like you have no choice to deliver quality or you get kicked out of the industry now. Okay, well, five years getting there. Well, and and the the amazing part is we started very like very small, and you know we started made a bit of money, reinvested in the company for the first two three years. Uh, I had another company I was living off, so you know I didn't need to to take the money to live from that company. So it was reinvested and it grew, and at the same time. We never did publicity, and if you go to the web store, it's the most minim minimalistic web store you can find. Yeah. Uh, so it's not the web store, it's not the web page that is selling, it's not the publicity, it's just uh, the public. knowing of people that they do get uh, high quality and sustained, you know, we... Like I know some companies, they start with high quality. Then after six months, a year, they start to cut off. They build up some credibility. Then, you know, they, they go for the money. And uh, that's one tactic. So uh, we, we don't sell SARMs anymore. But uh, I've learned that from a friend who was uh, uh, supplying 
his songs from me. And he told me after three years, he said, I'm really surprised that after three years, they're still the same quality. You know, it didn't drop like everybody else. So that's how I learned that a lot of companies do that. Yeah. And it just grew. And now we're at a point, uh, as you said, with peptides, you know, I've, I've said, I've been in the peptide world for almost 20 years. But, you know, I tell people, you know, 20 years ago, it was easy to be an expert on peptides. There was only three or four around. <laughs> so you knew those four and by you were an expert. Now there is quite, uh, quite a few more. And it's actually, that's all I do, basically. And it's hard to keep up. But you know, BLP, uh, seven, eight years ago, we called peptide the fake GH. You know, back in the day. Yeah, you told me, you told me the story. No, but the, the, no, it was even longer than that. Much. Uh, back. Anyway, from what from my memory, it's a while ago. So, yeah. But I remember I was the first one talking about peptide. Because you told me you, you told me that story in your house, and you, you went back like almost fifteen years ago. Um, doesn't make me young <laughs> See, anymore. Time, time, time is flying when you have fun. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, that, because. It's a twofold things. On one side, people realize they're good. So more and more people, and it's not part of um, an underground community anymore. No, it's wide open in the U.S. Even doctors, they prescribe them in the U.S. now. So it's, it's well spread on one side. So the general acceptance is more and more there. And at the same time, we know of more than 7,000 peptides that we identified, but there is an estimate that there is like over 200,000 more we didn't identify yet. But out of those 7,000, we don't know all what they do. We just know that they exist. So when you see a new research on the peptide, it's just one group of researchers. They say, okay, let's look at this one. What does it do? And then they do a, some investigation and they say, oh, okay, a new peptide for this. Well, the peptide itself, maybe it has been known for five years, but its uh, application, is its mechanisms are new. And now it's almost every week a new one pops out. Like this one for this, this one for that, and it's growing and growing. And it's uh, and as as you said, I do believe actually if it goes high, it should go within five to ten years, at least between fifty and seventy percent of uh, the medicine uh, treatments will be around peptides. And uh, I see another big part around the uh, biome, uh, microbiome we have inside. When they finish mapping that and knowing what what does what, that's going to be another big uh, next frontier. So I see those two peptides and microbiome medicine being the, the next big thing. The connection. Because the microbiome, it's almost like a systemic. It goes from, let's say... Uh, uh, glial cell to bone density in a complex loop of interaction. You know, the, the, the general idea is this. One, it's to have the right 
bacterias and two, to make them happy. If your bacterias are happy, you will be happy. And that's not a figure of speech because, you know, even bacteria, they produce uh, serotonin, they produce GABA. So uh, <clears throat> that's funny too because... You know, for many years, we thought that GABA, and it doesn't, GABA doesn't cross, you know, they sell capsules of GABA, and it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. So, but you would take it, and you would have an effect. So it turns out that, yeah, <laughs> because the, the bacterias detected the presence of GABA, and the signal was sent to the brain. So that would make the brain happy. So it has, they, be, it has to be the upper stomach. I, I don't know the detail. That's not my specialty. But, you know, so even if a compound doesn't cross, actually it never reaches the brain, the one you took. But the bacteria is detected there and somehow send a signal to the brain, hey, it's full of it here. You should have it too. And bang, you start to produce it in the brain. Uh, same thing, serotonin, more, I think it's 90% is produced uh, in the guts. But how does it get to the brain? Well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a signaling of by uh, if the gut is happy, so a lot of serotonin is produced, a signal is sent to the brain, hey, we're happy down here, so produce too. I don't know. But... Right now, they are mapping that. There, there, there are thousands of, uh, of bacteria, and they say, okay, this one does this, this one does that. It's a bit like mapping the DNA, so it's going to take a couple of years. And then there's going to be, a, like there is an epigenetic, there will be an epibiome. So, okay, that's good. It's important to have the right bacteria, but the environment of the bacteria has an, has an influence of them. So now that's going to be the ultimate science. Uh, we know that uh, prebiotics make bacteria happy, but there are other things too. What I heard is is what they do to bypass, let's say, the bacterial of the let's say interaction between stem cells and microbiome. Mm -hmm. They grow through intranasal stem cell right at the blood brain barrier, and that way you have better immune function probability. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I heard about that. Uh, the, uh, it's we're in a nice. Uh, Time to see all those things happen. <laughs> so it's amazing. Again, I'm not a specialist in that field, but it's very interesting to see what they do. And uh, even with peptides, they, uh, I have to read because that's very new. They're called self forming, I think, peptides. And it seems like they, they, they shift composition or shape depending on the need of the body so that's uh, you know don't quote me on that i'm not sure <laughs> but you know there is soon a new frontier that will be crossed with peptide with those peptides i don't know exactly what it is yet but uh, there is a few articles but coming you know, out we we say all this but I, i don't think you can build the intelligence of the natural innate immune system anyway No, that, that, hey, with peptides, we don't, we just basically, okay, 
Yeah, I'm a lot into the uh, anti anti-aging. It's hard to say because anti-aging science is too young. So there is no nobody who has done it long enough and not die to say that yeah, it worked. You know, we're still in. You know, we know with rats, with mice, with cats, with dogs, worms, but. It's too young, so we don't know. So that's why I prefer to call that healthy aging. And and when we talk about the virus, you know, nature is cruel, and it still stands today in 2020. Meaning, for nature, uh, what, what's the purpose of uh, uh, a mammal? human, dog, cat, in the eyes of nature, we have one purpose. It's to reproduce. So basically, the day you cannot reproduce, you become useless for nature. If you serve your purpose, then it's up to the next generation. Uh, and that is programmed, actually, in your genes, uh, death. You know, you're born in your genes. It's all there. You will die. That's a fact of life. Uh, it will happen. So what happened? Everything you do to build yourself when you're young, exercise, diet, everything, that, that's not going to save you because it's, on, it's your own biochemistry that turns against you at a certain point, what makes you strong, nice turning against you because nature decided it's time for you to die. I'm not saying from one day to the next, but you know, to start the slow degeneration of the body. And the only way to uh, go around that, for a time at least, is to tweak with that biochemistry. Because if you let nature, your own biochemistry, and optimize it, you're just optimizing something that is programmed in your gene to kill you. Make sense? What the senescent cells? It's uh, that. That's why it's it's a very complex thing because senescent cells are part of it. Uh, Mitochondria health is part of it. Uh, there is. It's multifactorial. That's why nobody and and many. Uh, research centers, universities, they were always looking at one thing. And it turns out, and there was a good article published a few weeks ago, actually, that guy, like a strike of genius, he said, oh, no, <laughs> it's, it's not one thing, it's many things. So there won't be one drug or one pill or one injection that will do it. It will be... Uh, we're not sure yet how many factors are implied, but let's say there are eight main factors, then you're going to have to have eight different approaches at the same time to attend each of those factors. But uh, you, again, nature is cruel. You know, people don't like to hear that more so today because... But the lifespan went down the last few years anyway. It's going to... Yeah, but because we're, we're uh, denaturated beings we don't live in nature at all like we're far from it 
uh, in there, you know, sleep, light, just when light, uh, artificial lightning was uh, introduced, that was a big denaturation of ourselves when the cereals were in, introduced. That's not our natural state with cereals all the time. Uh, so we, in our thriving through the millennials, we slowly denaturated ourselves. The problem today, it's, it's happening too fast. So there was some adaptation to eating cereals, for example. There are people who can. They're, they're not, uh, they don't have problem with gluten. They're not allergic or uh, they don't have problem. There has been some adaptation. But because that happened over millennials, now we see what we saw in the last 30 years, it's too fast. We don't have time to adapt. So we see all those disease, all those problems. And that, that's right now, that's the big problem. Everything's happening too fast. We don't adapt to it because we have that capacity to adapt to pretty much everything, but given time. And 30 years, it's, it's nothing. Yeah, it's a we I call it the uh, accelerationism. Accelerationism, <laughs> a atypical word. But um, first, first topic was the mot m o t c s c mot c peptide. Okay, and that that it's it's a pleuritic peptide, meaning it has many applications. <laughs> Uh, the anti-aging aspect of it, for example, was derivated from the fact that uh, they found in the Japanese population of Okinawa, living more than 100 years, like a ridiculous amount of uh, centenarians, they have abnormal high levels of Motsi in their cells, probably due to a SNP in their genes that may produce more of it longer time so uh so it is believe it it is an anti-aging peptide but basically it, it's um to to, to explain people yeah, it's, I was more about the metabolic advantage and let's see the interaction with well that's the thing if you're healthy chances are you will live longer <laughs> you know it's just common sense. So basically, Matsi, it's a mitochondrial peptide. That means it's uh, it's coded not by the nucleus of uh, the cell, but it's coded by the, the, sorry, not by the DNA of the nucleus. It's coded by the DNA of the mitochondria. There is about 1% of uh, activity there. That's why uh, even uh, twins, identical twins, are not totally identical because their uh, mitochondrial DNA is different, like 1% of the total expression of genes. So uh, it's coded by the mitochondria to work first in the mitochondria, then it goes out of the mitochondria as activity in the cells. And it has been shown that even comes out of the cell to be carried to other cells. So it's a signaling peptide too for that purpose. And uh, basically to make it a general story, it uh, increases the... Uh, 
you, uh, the the activity of the mitochondria, it makes them more efficient and uh, increase the numbers of mitochondria too. Because you know, it, uh, so by uh, using that peptide, you make your mitochondria. As you know, the, we have been talking for the last uh, few years about mitochondrial health. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, it's pretty trendy. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the 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 end effect of using it, there are so many. The first study that came out in uh, Cell magazine, uh, they were investigating its effect on uh, metabolic syndrome, and it works amazingly well. Metabolic syndrome: it's high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and obesity, uh, and uh, insulin resistance. So it works to uh, improve all, all that. Exactly. So, <laughs> of course, first people to jump on it were bodybuilders and athletes. Uh, when we made it, I waited a year to uh, to put it on the market because I had no clue on dosages. But then through the grapevines, I've heard what, Athletes were using it's like oh they didn't, they didn't wait long. <laughs> so from what they were using, then I could, and it matches what it is generally accepted now. But they were again the first to jump on it and see what it does, and uh, yeah, they love it. Yeah, me, uh, me uh, I I would say that if I do too much, I don't like it. It kind of. Uh, excite me too much no well it, it, it uh, rev up so to yeah. say the mitochondria and uh, sometimes yes it, for example if you take it at night chances are you you won't sleep you know your old body it's not like not taking too much coffee you know you won't be shaking all that but your old body is is going and and that keeps keeps you up if you take it at night uh, but you get that effect too if you train either uh, long distance or bodybuilding. It increases your capacities to train and to recuperate. So it makes it a very, very good uh, peptide, uh, performance peptide. And at the same time, it's a great peptide for the brain and anti-aging. So we're going to have big, strong bodybuilders who are going to live 100 years. And now with the COVID nineteen, with the COVID nineteen going on, and maybe the the panic and the pandemic and the fear propaganda, it's almost like it feels like no one really cares for the immune system, and now it will come the absolute priority. Well, that's that's I find that to be in a way a very good wake up call. Because, you know, I told you what happened in the last 30 years, pretty much all those new things that came up, diet, lack of mineral in your diet, you know, because if you look on uh, all those charts you see that tells you, okay, this uh, vegetable has 100 milligrams of uh, magnesium. Yeah, that was true. 30 years ago. Those charts haven't been updated yet. Most of them are from, uh, I say 30 years, even more. They're from the 60, the 50 and the 70s. 60s and 70s, all those charts. 50 years ago. But there has been a huge depletion, depletion of soils. So when it says 100 milli, milligram, at least cut it in half and in some cases down 30% of that number. So you have 
a lot of mineral deficiencies. The sleep, the way people sleep, the sleep hygiene is not. You saw when we change uh, hour, you know, we just lost an hour of sleep systematically on the planet. The next day, there was, there is every year an increase by 20% of all the admittance in uh, emergency rooms for uh, heart problems. And when we'll gain an hour of sleep in a few months, every year it's systematic, there is 19% less emergencies for heart problems. Coincidence? I don't think so. But just to show you the effect of one hour of sleep, what it has on the body. Uh, I went to a conference in Austin a few weeks ago, just before we, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the quarantines and all that. And there is that doctor, Persley, uh, uh, is a doctor with uh, uh, the Navy SEALs. And he wrote a very good book. And he, when you, you know, with Navy SEALs, he did studies because when he started to work as a doctor with them, he was in the SEALs for many years. Then they sent him to do his medical school. Then he came back to work for them. 90% of the, the, the SEALs that would come to see him was for sleep problems, 90%. And he didn't know what to do with those guys. So he started to educate himself, started to research and everything. And I became uh, one of the specialists on sleep. And he did tests on them. It turns out if you, you know how you feel if you don't sleep 24 hours in a row, right? You feel like shit. Well, if you cut off one hour of sleep for six nights, you're going to be, your brain will be in the same state as you did, as if you didn't sleep 24 hours. But the funny part about it, because he experimented all those things and he did performance, mental and physical performance tests before and after. And he will tell his guy, listen, your performance is decreased by 30%. The, the guy, they would say, no, he would show them the results. They would say, no, you're lying to me. There is a protection mechanism in the brain that you don't see it, but it's there. It's like people when they smoke pot, you know, they say, no, no, I'm, I'm good. No, you know, play chess with a guy who, who just smoked pot and it's probably going to be the longest chess game you'll ever play. They're not all there, but if you ask them, they're going to say, no, no, I'm good. And I, no. Uh, we're very bad self-observers and it's amazing the lack of sleep hygiene, what it does on your body. And one of the main thing, it, it decreases your immune system. Everything, uh, blue light decreases immune system. Stress deprive uh, immune system. So the overall situation of the planet it's a decreased immune system response. And then we have all those things coming up, like uh, the a uh, few years ago, now, now we talk less about it, the Lyme disease. Lyme existed, we found dead Lyme bacteria in mummies, Egyptian mummies, 5,000 years old. Oh. It's not a new bacteria. What is new is that 
before we would have the immune system to fight it and you wouldn't even know. A bit like herpes, you know, you have that little pimple. When does it pop out? When you have a cold. Immune system goes down, it comes out. You cannot fight it, it will manifest. You may have herpes for years and you forget about it because your immune system is good. So we have all those disease coming out. The the, the Timalian Alpha 1 for herpes, that was good? Uh, In that case, yeah. It comes out because of the word, it's not going to get rid of it, but it's going to get rid of the symptom because the herpes herpes, uh, virus, your immune system fight it normally so it doesn't manifest itself, to say it simple. Decrease the immune system like in a bad cold, puff, it's going to pop out. Or in a very stressful situation, high stress situation, it's going to pop out. Because all those things decrease your immune system. I have a question. When they saw the, uh, the, the autopsy of Dallas McCraver, they say that his lung got bigger. I didn't even know that lungs could get bigger. Do you know that? Uh, through this, I didn't know. <laughs> I was I was surprised to learn that. But the, is is the even is the but, function of the lung because we're talking about the yeah. is it mostly the mucosal from the? But what what did he die of? Well, they don't know. I I think I think technically my 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 vision how I see it. I think he took insulin and eat too fast and swallow his own food. Yeah, because uh, it could have been for, uh, could have been anything, inflammation would make the lungs bigger. As an organ by itself, I I probably they get, because they, I don't see how they would get bigger. They, they would increase their stretchability. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe he had some condition where uh, they were inflammated, inflammation. Uh, and then, yeah, that would make it look bigger. You know, weight more. You know, that's how they found yeah. it. No, they don't measure anything. They just cut it off and put it on the scale. So they say, whoa, that's big. I see. But what, what would be, let's say, a peptide that could help for immune function related to lungs? To everything. Thymazine alpha-1. It's uh, it's an ama- amazingly good peptide that it doesn't per se increase the um, immune system. It, it will increase it, so to say, if you need it. Meaning it's like an adaptogen. And... Because the immune system, it's a balance between two systems, the Th1 and Th2, it's called. And it's like on the balance. And to have a healthy immune system, you need to have them in balance. So if Th2, uh, Th1 become stronger, Th2 become weaker. So what you will have is uh, autoimmune response, kind of situation. Uh, if TH2 gets too high, 
TH1 will go down, and then you will have manifestation of um, complete uh, weak immune system, less uh, white blood cells and everything you need to have a strong reaction. But if it's the balance, you have too much of a reaction uh, to immune. And it's funny because I even had uh, people that were had autoimmune reaction to the same peptide that would correct their situation. Uh, their autoimmune response was so strong that they would have autoimmune response to peptides. So basically, it modulates. It's a bit like an adaptogen. If a response is too strong, like an autoimmune, it's going to bring it down. If it's not strong enough, it's going to bring it up. It's just going to establish the normal balance of your immune system. Okay, so physiology is something that it's, I'm pretty weak of, but how does the Timalian TH1, TH2 related to either a peripheral nerve or the lymphatic system? Is oh, it's not. There? That, that's after the effect by the oh, uh, stimulation that. of uh, white uh, blood cells, you know, that go okay. eat, uh, they go over the virus, for example, and just digest it. So that's how it works. It's uh, the, the the actual. It's, it's not the thymus. That's an after effect of the thymus that uh, secretes factors that will stimulate this that to uh, produce uh, white blood cells and other factors that or helps you to defend yourself. Basically, that's what uh, uh, it does. So it may and and a second aspect of it. It's even used now, and there are studies to show it. You know, when you have a cancer, uh, the cancer cell, they develop like a shield around them that makes them invisible to the immune system. So the thymosin alpha-1 breaks down that shield to make the uh, cancer cells visible to the uh, uh uh, can, uh, to the uh, white blood cells so they can start to work on destroying the cancerous cells. And it worked so good. They had like over 90% uh, positive results, like total. And it's your own immune system that fights the cancer. It's no drugs, no nothing. You just take that peptide, boost the immune system because most of the time you'll need it because of your condition. And at the same time, make the cancerous cells visible to those uh, immune system factors so they can attack the cancer. And they have amazing results. It's what they call the uh, uh, immune therapy, your own immune system. So that why I mentioned this is because often when you see a, a big bodybuilder, you know, like 250, 260, 270, and he push mass, 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 hypertrophy, hypertrophy, it's eventually either a myostatin that would block him at his genetic level or the immune system will crash and then he kind of sleep, rest, kind of deload. Exactly. And then, and then there's a TH1, TH2 modulation. The rebalance. But that's exactly because the body doesn't recognize, doesn't know the difference between stressors. It could be a psychological stress, could be psychological, could be lack of sleep. Doesn't make a stress for the body is a stress. And when training is a form of stress, actually training 
when you look at it this way, training is uh, as a hormonic effect, uh, it's called, where during the time you train, you're not doing anything good for the body. <laughs> you're destroying it, basically. Yeah. The uh, positive effect comes after. Same thing if you go in the sauna, you know, to be in the, in the little room at 90 degrees Celsius for half an hour, you're not doing anything good for the body. But it's the after effect, the rebound to that, that brings about positive effects. Training is like that. So if you do too much, you're doing too much things that destroy your body, and not enough time to repair fully. So that's a huge stressor, and that's what happened. Yes. So wh where I'm going with that, because I always cater to the bigger extreme bodybuilding, it's almost now the guy like Big Ramy or Ron Coleman or that generation, they're so big now that they need they need to figure peptide that could hold them alive, be able to walk with such a muscle uh, supraphysiology that makes no sense at the rational uh, nature whatsoever. And, you know, guys get bigger and younger, bigger and younger. And I think how far it's going to push, I have no clue. I never thought someone look, that would look like Rami when I was young. And now no, me neither. It's so, so I was thinking, was it... Tim Allen would be a good idea. Would be uh, Ira 290 uh, GDS. Uh, look, at that point, they would need to take everything. <laughs> they, they would all be good. How, how you could overlap, kind of a, almost like an invincible or help the human system to be able to handling such an extreme case of, uh, of this kind of a atypical. Well, there is one point where you can't. You know, there is Stephen Hawking, and it applies here. You know, in nature, there is no free lunch. So they're getting something out of it, which is amazingly huge, but there is a price for it, and they're paying it. Uh, I don't see them live very long. They, they, they won't become centenarians, that's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, that's the price, and... The view of things, they, they put a strain on pretty much every organ, every system in their body. So, and I was not joking. They would need pretty much everything in the, in, in the book that is known to, to, to support that. But again, like if they would, okay, let's say they would take Matsi as a peptide. That would, hey, they would see a difference. They would function better, but you would be adding something to the stress because, you know, they would rev up the mitochondria. So you would just add to the problem, basically. How about IRA 290? So let's say, let's say you're, let's say you're, you're Rami, you compete for five years and now you're heading on stage at 270, 275. You want kind of a, let's say a, a like a bit like Trental kind of peripheral help, uh, um, nourishment or, or yeah well you you would go to uh healing peptides uh bpc 157 thymazine beta 4 that new one ara 290 is very promising it's one of the new ones we have very little clinical uh experience with it but uh, it's a very good candidate to heal the peripheral uh nervous system uh, I would 
Is it the first compound that really works into the peripheral nerves? Uh, to that extent, to that extent, yes. Yeah. Uh, there are others. Thymosin beta-4 is really good to repair nervous system too, but you need to take a lot for a long time. So, you know, this one, it's, it's very promising for that. Not such high dosages and very prompt uh, results. What's the half-life of it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, any, any, okay, it depends. Any peptides, the half-life is maximum 12 hours because we have enzymes in the body that digest, uh, in the blood, that digest uh, um, peptides. So they don't last long in the blood. What lasts after is the effect, like TB500, thymosin beta-4, a bit like training. You know, you train for an hour, but the, the mTOR, uh, stimulus will be there for a couple of days, but you're not training anymore. So peptides, some of them, they have a long reach of activity, but the peptide is not there. Usually it's eight, nine hours, 10. So you don't look, uh, the half-life in peptides is a bit irrelevant in that sense, because it's not... Let's say if... If someone has lower inflammation, their diet, their cardio, et cetera, is, is it time of clearance will be faster or slower? It's time of? Clearance. Clearance of? Clearance of the half-life action. Well, in the blood, yeah, but... That's not where you want the peptide to be anyway. <laughs> you know, uh, because that's not where they work. The blood is a carrier for the peptide. And once they integrate the cells, that's, they do what they do. And uh, they may, and that we don't know for most of them. Uh, even thymosin beta 4 has been around for such a long time. We know that the half-life, again, shown in studies, 12 hours, there is not one molecule left in your bloodstream. But the healing effects, some people, they report up to 15 days after one shot. So, and it's different for every peptide. BPC-157, eight hours and no more effect. So it's not related to the blood level. It's related once they integrated the cells, how long that effect in the cells will last. And that's very different. Because MUTC, for example, blood levels, you, you take a shot in 20 minutes, it's all gone. But doesn't mean it's all broken down. It means it's all where it's supposed to be. I feel, I feel to me it works almost like four or five days-ish. Uh, we did some experiments with friends where they took Mutsi for 10 days, then they stopped and waited to see how long would it take for the effect to fade. And it took about 80 days. Holy moly. So you have a long-lasting... It's a bit like uh, uh, one other effect of uh, Mutsi. It raises a lot the intracellular levels of uh, NAD+. So, you know, you go for uh, NAD+, uh, IV therapies, 
you go five to ten days in a row, depending on your health and budget, and and then the uh, the effect of it will last for months. Eventually, it's going to drop. So it's the same thing with MUD-C. It's going to raise your NAD plus and other factors in the cells, but then they'll stay high for a long time, much longer than the actual time you took the peptide. I, I took some NAD plus supplementation that was very expensive. And it was very hard to quantify. I felt oh, in, in pills, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, Charles, uh, he was given a case of uh, that uh, nicotinamide uh, ribose. And at what point, he he took a whole bottle of of the compound and he didn't see a difference. So they they look good on paper, but in real life, uh, no, they're not very, very effective. Before we get to the import, the most important topic of the day, I have an external question. It's pretty outside of the scope. But anyhow, there's this specialist called GF Garriepi, which is very, very smart. He said that you should not dab with drugs that alter gene because he said that if you CRISPR and you dabble, it's so complex out there that you could play with people' life expectations. Of course, and and they did. Have, there are rumors, you know, in the athlete world that they did some CRISPR uh, tweaking with uh, in China uh, with some Chinese athlete, and yeah, they were outperforming, but they would die a few years after. <laughs> No, they have been tweaking with that, and is very right. One day, that's going to take a long time because now you're going at the source, you know, the DNA, and well, to 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 master that, you will need kind of, you will need artificial intelligence to encode the real. Computer. Yeah, so you're talking maybe ten, fifteen, twenty years before we see that happen with the help of artificial intelligence. Uh, he's very right. It's such a complex uh, thing. Uh, I wouldn't even, right now, I wouldn't even think about that. Do you consider playing with myostatin blocker interact with gene or not really? No, myostatin, well, myostatin is it's a, the expression of a gene the myostatin gene. So when it expresses, it expresses that protein that blocks the, the, the mTOR or slow it down. So it's not, it's not, it's not at the root cause. No, 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 no. The blocker. No, 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 no. They, they, they don't block the gene by itself. They block its expression. It's not playing with genes here. They just the same thing as okay, vitamin D, which is considered by many a hormone, uh, affect uh, hundreds of genes. Uh, a gene basically it's like a light switch. You turn it on or you turn it off. So uh, that's epigenetic. So either you turn it on or off. Like, for example, if you have enough vitamin D, it's going to turn it on and the expression will happen uh, positive. If you don't have, 
enough vitamin D, then the switch is off and the gene cannot express itself in doing anything. <clears throat> so uh, the myostatin blocker, uh, basically they don't uh, turn on and off the genes. Uh, they work down the line where they will block the, the, the myostatin protein. So you stop the expression so if I understand you correctly, it's either going to work or it's going to work, but it cannot really be harmful. If it would be to be harmful, it's just going to saturate and not do anything. Exactly. So uh, you're, not, um, you're not playing with the genes. You're playing with the gene expression. The same thing, I wouldn't call it playing, but uh, or, or yes, if you... Uh, a supplement and of vitamin D, then you're going to turn on genes. Uh, uh, because there is a, a peptide, uh, very short, GHK, it turns on or off more than 4,000 genes. And it turns them off when there are genes that are not good for you. So it will turn it off. When it's good, it's going to turn it on. But you, you didn't do nothing to the gene itself. It's still the same gene. You didn't took it out. You didn't do anything to it. You just uh, provoke its expression or not. And that's what epigenetic is, to play, so to say, with the expression of the genes. So you have heard that story. Uh, you may have the genes for uh, you know negative expression. Uh, we uh, you may have the gene for schizophrenia, right? And never manifested because the gene was never turned on. And there is a very small percentage of people when they smoke cannabis and they use that in their publicity, it will turn, uh, cannabis will turn on that gene for schizophrenia and bang, they will become uh, schizophrenic from smoking cannabis. Again, it's so small that, you know, I, personally, I really don't worry about that. But the risk is always there. It's minimal. It's one in, I don't know, many thousand. But that, that's a negative gene expression that is turned out, turned on by something you did, by your uh, environment. So it's epigenetic. So the, the, the myostatin blockers, they don't block per se the genes, they block the expression of the gene. Understood. Very clear. Thank you. Thank you for that. There is a there is a lot of uh, bro logic conception, and you you clarify me there. Okay. Thank you for that. So the, the 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 big the big guy, and that's why this this is the the name of the show. It's Kiss Peptin. And I gotta tell oh, you, that, that that's a game changer actually in the, in, in the business. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not the expert like you, but let's say the way I see it is there's. ACG, which I almost find a bit neurotoxic because of estrogen conversion, often on hardcore bodybuilder would lead to headache and problem and stuff. And there's tryptorelin, which I see as the uh, uh, extreme case scenario for an extreme position of the HPTA. Example, 
I, the guy did the one gram of trending and take for a year. ATG would never bring it back. I think technically the HPTA always recover unless you really go an extreme that the body can even handle it. So I'm talking one, two, three grams, yeah. et cetera, for a long duration, seven, eight months straight, that kind of thing. And for me, the Kispeptin, it's something that will help free testosterone, HPTA, LH, FSH, uh, sperm count, sperm structure, sperm mobility, uh, and without any negative effect of either neurotoxicity or estrogen aromatization. Is that true, right? Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much it. Uh, basically, up to now, we had only a few compounds uh, you could use to uh, reestablish your uh, testicular uh, functions. So HGG was one, but again, you have the, that aromatization that happened. And basically, any people who used it, that's pretty much the closest you can get to feel a, a, a woman feels through the cycles of her month. You know, it's, you know, you, sometimes you'll be on it and you feel like crying for nothing. And other time you're impatient. You know, it's really playing with your hormones level and in the brain. So it was good for the time it was there. It served a purpose, but not the best. Uh, Clomid was good too. Uh, the problem uh, with it is that if you do it short term, like to recuperate from a cycle, it's very good. But long term, it's uh, very harsh on the liver. So you cannot use it for such a long time. Uh, it has negative effect as estrogen blocker in the brain. I think yeah, because it's at the same time, it's an estrogen blocker or it has some estrogenic activity in other tissues, but you don't choose those activities. So uh, the end result is not quite ideal. But again, for the time we had only that, that was good. But now there is that peptide that came around uh, a few months ago, and it works amazingly well. It's Kiss Peptide. Kiss Peptide, it's a big peptide. And then Kiss Peptide 10, it's a fraction of that peptide. And basically what it does, it, it makes your epithalamus secrete Again, LH and LSH to stimulate your testicle, but it comes from a higher level. So the secretions are much more normal. Uh, so basically everything you said, it makes it an ideal, no side effects, no toxicity. Uh, it makes it the ideal compound. For let's, say, let's say the guy said, oh, I'm, I'm tired of ERT. I give me high blood pressure, even 100 milligram a week. I don't like it. So I'll do kiss peptide instead of basis. Oh, yeah. Actually, for me, uh, testosterone replacement therapy, if it wasn't for the long-term side effect of Clomid, most men would do well on Clomid before they need to introduce uh, testosterone. But I never suggested it because of that, because you, you, you improve a situation, but you cause a problem at the same time. So it's not a good solution. 
uh, yeah, uh, in that you could run on kispeptins for years to reestablish your normal levels of testosterone before you probably would need to introduce uh, testosterone maybe at the end of your 60s and 70s. You could easily run only on kispeptin for years of very high normal testosterone level and in a much more natural uh, patterns of secretion of your testosterone. And why is that? Why is that? Because the body recognizes it? Because you don't force push the testicle to produce. You just establish a normal secretion of LH and LSH that will stimulate in the normal pattern the testicle. There is no, nothing forced. It's a bit like those growth hormones secretagogue. It's much more natural because growth, uh, the, the pituitary gland never loses its ability to produce growth hormone. So the testicle, uh, if there is no pathology to it, they always kind of be able to produce testosterone and sperms. It's the stimuli that goes down. So now you reestablish that stimulus, but you don't. The product you take, if you take HCG, HCG becomes a stimulus. So it may, it's, and with all the side effects. Almost like a trigger. It's yeah. kind of modulation. HCG almost like a punch. It's all exactly. That, that's the big, big difference. Wow. So, so me, my goal is what I want to do is I'm going to start, like I start to kiss that in your, your bike and lab. Mm. My well, the, we, I think right now, I think we're the only company that sells it. So I've seen it with another company, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to do 60 days and now do a sperm or spermatography. Why see what happened in terms of, of count and mobility. And I'll, I'll send you the result. Like, you mm. know what? That we might, if if the the chaos of the COVID nineteen doesn't last a year <laughs> for a second kid, if it lasts forever, then uh, forget to bring another kids. Now we're just gonna remain. Yeah, it's. Uh, what's, the, what's the difference between let's say Proviron, HMG, and Kispeptin? Is like, well, HMG is like HGG but it stimulates more the uh, spermatogenesis okay. than the testosterone. But the thing is, in the testicle, the, uh, the cells that produce testosterone and the cells that produce uh, sperm, they're all mixed up. You know, you need a microscope to see the difference. Uh, and because they're next to each other, you know, cells, they talk. So if you give a product that will rise testosterone, then the next cell that produce sperm, they say, hey, this one is working and producing. So it will push that other cell to work. The same thing the other way around. If you take testosterone, technically, only... Only the cells that produce testosterone should decrease their production, but they have that proximity effect that the sperm decreases too, when technically it shouldn't. Uh, 
That's why we have two hormones to control that, LH and LSH. But even if you use only one, there will be an effect on the other one. Again, because of that proximity of cells and they, they communicate. Once. If I say proximity and paracrine, I'm right or I'm wrong? Yeah. So basically, it's the same thing. Um, improve one of the cell type, the other one will just follow uh, pretty much. So HMG is more, it's a, it works as LSH and uh, HCG works like LH, but by that pro because of that proximity principle, the, it works. The, the 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 final effect is kind of on both. But you'll if you use HMG, you'll have more effect on the uh, sperm count with a lesser effect on testosterone count. I see. That makes sense. Okay, so my 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 my. I think I'm at that last question now already, but after we'll look at your catalog. Um, how does peptide production occur? Is that you buy a sequencing and then it goes into a, a box and then there's a kind of a, a written and then it's self-reproduced or how does that work? No. Uh, it's, uh, there are a few different ways to do it, but they all come down to one thing is you just start with one amino acid, block one end, because each amino acid has a NH2 side and OH. Those are active sites where you can, they can interact with other compounds. So you block one side, so you only have the other side free, and then you throw in the second amino acid. So, and, you know, the NH2 will connect to the uh, OH. And so you force that connection. doesn't matter that the second one is not blocked because it will just line up. You know, there's only one option. And then when it's fully done, then you throw in the third amino acid and it's, it's like a little Lego thing you do. Okay, so let's one say... One amino acid after the much, other. How much amino acid is the MUT-CS? 42, I think, or maybe less. Actually. So you, you can have a lineup of uh, 42 amino acids in, in, in what, in two minutes, in five minutes, in two hours? Uh, it's 16 amino acids. Well, it depends. There are small, what they call... Uh, microwave synthesizer, where you can do it pretty fast. And I, there is... Technique or it's a machine? Uh, it's the machine. Uh, that that one I'm not aware, but you can only make small quantities at a time, like a few milligrams. Uh, when you start to make big quantities, one gram, five grams, 10 grams, 40 grams, then you need what we call a reactor. And that's much longer. Like, for example, to make thymazine beta-4, which is 43 amino acid, it's close to three weeks. Because every time you add an amino acid, you want all the amino acid to bind 
before you throw in another one because if they didn't bind all and you throw in another one, then you're going to lose the sequence. So it's a, it's a specific duration. Exactly. And well, not so much. Sometimes it takes a bit longer, sometimes a bit less. We just have the reaction, then we test uh, with the HPLC at every step to make sure everything happened, then we throw the next uh, acid. A very dumb question, but I'm wondering, could you do, let's say, 23 amino acid, go take vacation three weeks and come back and finish it? No. You could, you could, let's say, start a synthesis and let's say, like that, for do the first 10 amino acids and then go. Come back on vacation, come back two weeks after, and continue. That wouldn't be a problem. You can suspend the synthesis, but you cannot. it cannot run by itself. Uh, you have to be there to manipulate, to throw in the, the other one. Uh, again, there are sequencers that do it. Uh, I'm not familiar with those ones, but they do very small quantities at a time. So for... Uh, Okay, let's say you, you decide you have the mean financial need. You could get one of those little sequencers and all that, invest all the money, and you could make your own supply of peptides. That would be a possibility. But uh, that wouldn't be uh, cost-effective at all. <laughs> so let's look at your catalog. I'm going to go on Cat Lab. I'm in the shopping so I see VIP two milligram. Yeah, that's uh, we started to specialize because a huge part of our market now are actually uh, medical clinics and doctors in the U.S. And VIP, it's a very specific. It's uh, anti-inflammatory for the intestine for the bowel. So it's used in cases of Crohn disease or uh, very high inflammation of the... Uh, but let's say I'm a, I'm a bodybuilder and I take like D-ball and I draw pre-workout, L-carnitine uh, injection, caffeine, ephedrine, T3, and I work each, each time I go train, it's that my pre-workout. Will this will help a replenish the stomach? No, no, no. That's more for like serious cases. Now, uh, BPC one five seven would be really good for that. It would be the best one for that. Yeah. So the answer us. I have PT one for one. So this one is funny. That one is for like orgasm and stuff. But yeah, erection. I think I heard it works better on women. Is that true? I don't know. Works pretty good with men. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Uh, uh, well, it is sold in the U.S. now uh, in pharmacies as the uh, pharmacy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pharmaceutical company. They got the patent on the application, and uh, you know, in the U.S. and probably in Canada soon. Uh, yeah, for women, uh, it does work really good. I never try it. For both men and women. Does it increase high blood pressure? Does it increase blood pressure or no? No. Very few cases. It, it might. Actually, the only people that had that problem, and maybe 10%, were uh, people who were taking steroids. So their blood pressure was higher than normal already. So it kind of 
You can't induce it. No, no, you you, you have to, you, you need a pre-existing uh, condition. I see, I see. How about the KPV? Oh, that is a systemic, that's a fraction of PT-141 or melanotan because they found that those peptides, they do have an anti, very strong systemic uh, anti-inflammatory effect. But the problem first with melanotan to become a really good anti-inflammatory, well, you would be pretty much black within a matter of a couple of months. Oh my God. Uh, so it's not practical. Or if you take the PT-141 for that purpose, you would walk around all the time with a hard-on. Like, really not practical. Maybe the first couple of days, but after that, you're like, okay, that's enough. Well, no. So... So it wasn't very practical, but it, it's, uh, they are very strong anti-inflammatories. But they found that the last three amino acids of that sequence is the anti-inflammatory effect, KPV. Those are the letters for the three peptides. And because it's a lot smaller per milligrams, you have a lot, many, a lot more molecules per milligrams. So it's, it becomes very cost efficient. And for systemic inflammation, let's say you have a condition. Uh, okay, let's say you have uh, not an allergy, but uh, gluten, if it's not, how do you call it? Um, intolerance. That will provoke systemic inflammation. Uh, inflammation, you know, uh, IL-6 and all those markers. So that is anti-inflammatory. It will bring down that systemic inflammation, which you see a lot in bodybuilders because... So let's say, let's say you finish, let's say you finish a contest, your contest is done, you're back home, you're going to go off for four months is that will be the best choice or you will do epitalon instead? I would do both. You will do both together? Yeah. Uh, the epitalon to kind of regulate the whole uh, hormonal system and this one to uh, decrease uh, systemic inflammation. And you will do that, let's say, once or twice a year? Well, in those cases, yeah, it depends. Because it's not the pathology. No. If you're uh, again a, a, a big venture to compete, yeah. No yeah. Body fat. yeah, it would be a good time right after the uh, a contest, for example, to bring down that all inflammation. Amazing. How about humanin? Is this humanin would be considered as a reaper hormone? That that's another mitochondrial peptide. Uh, it won't. Uh, it has more, and the variant we sell. There is one amino acid switch, which makes it a thousand times more uh, uh, neuroprotective than the original. So it's a very strong uh, peptide uh, for the brain. Uh, to regenerate uh, the brain. When you say neuroprotection, you mean repair. So, 
and and peripheral uh, system too, because nowadays investigates uh, the in cases uh, and with good results actually in the ALS cases, which is uh, the the generation of the uh, motor uh, neurons. No, Stephen Hawking, ALS. So basically, uh, and it shows it's it's very promising. So human uh, and in one study they did on mice, they found out that the mice lived twenty percent longer than the placebo group. I heard there is a lot of controversy after uh, Red Weinstein that says that uh, they look at 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 rat in lab. And uh, and they say that they thought they had longer telomere, but it's just because they were in a safety zone. If you took them from nature and called them free, it was not the same telomere. Uh, uh, which one? All the mice they took in lab. But doing what studies? It, it's the study of the toward the telomere and he, Oh, yeah, it makes sense. But it was yeah, because they're not stressed like yeah, like street rats or yeah, of course. <laughs> no, it, it, I didn't see that one, but it, it makes it a lot of sense. sense. But the thing is, it took I think like forty years for them to figure it out. Yeah, sometimes it's like they had never compared both. It's like the effect of what you think on your body, you know, the psychosomatic effect of uh, your thoughts uh, it took them like forever to realize that the head was attached to the body so <laughs> sometimes that's the thing in research they're so pinpointed on, on one thing they see the tree but they don't see the forest that's why me I, I depend a lot more actually I trust a lot more clinical experience than uh Uh, research uh, papers because, because is is the comparison is if you look at uh, molecular it's almost like an instant reaction but if you look at functional medicine it's more like the systemic reaction upon the loop of time which is there you go plus when you look at at one study like in biochemistry you will look for example at one pathway not all the pathways or all the after effect of using that pathway. So in one study, we'll have a compound. It's gonna, they're going to tell you, oh, it's uh, anti-cancer. Then another study is going to say, no, it's uh, pro-cancer. Because they look at different pathway, but nobody looked, okay, but if you look at both, which one wins? Is it the pro-cancer or, or the anti-cancer? As if you talk to a clinician who has been using the product, then he will tell you because he has experience with ca cancer patients. And he said, no, when I used it, It helped healing the cancer. So that's what you want. I don't care if there is the pro-cancer. If the anti-cancer wins, then I'm happy. The end result in practice and clinically is it's anti-cancer. So, uh, yeah, again, that's why me, I rely a lot 
uh, on my personal experience with personal clients and now, you know, have uh, every day, that's what I do have the day is answering emails, messages, getting feedbacks on new products. And that's how I get uh, a lot of clinical experience. Uh, and that's much more. Okay, to give you an example. Um, Mutt C. Let's take that as an example. Uh, if you go talk to any uh, at the University uh, du Québec à Montréal, there is a couple of specialists in mitochondrias and metabolism and everything. Go ask them about Mutt C. They will talk to you about that for hours and what it does, what it doesn't do, what are the risks and everything. So me, I was talking to a friend, a friend who told me about the dosages and, you know, I was, uh, I brought up that peptide and, uh, you know, I, I was telling him I'm trying to find research and this and that and, you know, dosage and what does it do and then he started to laugh and he told me, he said, you want to know, I'm going to tell you, it works and that's how much you're taking the athletes, they didn't wait for a research paper to tell them, no, they tried it, it worked they tweaked with dosages clinical, that's clinical aspect of it they take it it works positively Basically, that's all you need to know. As an athlete, you don't need to know which pathways it, it uses or uh, or doesn't use or this yeah, and that. The, the, the medical system is under protection, yes, of any. Uh, GW501516, one of the first study, you know, cancer everywhere, even the uh, Health Canada was uh, communicate. GW501516 was banned by the WADA in 2007. That's 13 years ago. That means it was used enough already that the WADA said, no, we don't want you to take it anymore. That means it had been used for a few years by a lot of athletes. So maybe it has been used at least for 15 years by hundreds of thousands of people. Did you ever heard, because we would know with the internet, did anybody call a cancer because of using that compound? Not one. We would know. Let me tell you that. Not one. So that cancer thing, yeah, in a study on mice, one study, cancer. That studies. Real life, I didn't see any cancer, and I don't foresee any coming up. Uh, it can be explained, those age, if you take too much for too long, like way too much, yeah, maybe you will. Uh, but no, you know, you, you have to look. Uh, and, and I find that sad, the way medicine is going now. Uh, I was giving a conference in front of uh, like 50 doctors in January in Toronto, and I felt sad for them because it, it's a noble profession, right? You're supposed to heal people. And normally when you go see a doctor, what does he do first? He's not going to send you to do tests or anything. First thing is going to ask you questions. What are your symptoms? 
And from what you tell him, he will have a very good idea of what you have. But now the medical system is telling them straight up, yeah, you're good. We don't care. We don't trust you. Now we want all the tests to back up what you're saying. We don't trust your experience or your knowledge. We want the tests. And I, I think it's sad for a guy who spent, I think, just for generalists, it's what, it's seven or nine years of university, intense university. You know, I couldn't do medicine. I'm too lazy. Uh, and, and then, you know, they say, yeah, and then after, even after 10, 20 years of experience in what they do, they're supposed, and I, I trust they're pretty, a lot of them anyway are really good at what they're doing, and yet they tell them, no, we want, we don't, it's like tell, telling them straight up, we don't trust you, we want the test to back it up. Yeah. I find it a bit sad for them. True. So, last comment before we end. What will be the, the future of CanLab? What would be the future of uh, peptide? What's, what do you think will be the peptide to maybe build muscle or get guys bigger? Is there something? Well, at this point, because that I'm asked a lot of times, yeah. there are a few peptides like the uh, mechanical growth factor and, you know, the growth hormone secretagogues. But I, I've never seen anybody get big using those peptides. <laughs> you know, they have some effect. Uh, okay, it's like growth hormone. You know, you have been, before I was into peptides back in the 80s, 90s, steroids and all that, I, you know, I brushed shoulders with a bunch of people in that field too. Uh, I never seen, okay, have you ever seen somebody get huge only taking growth hormone? No, it's the entire. No, it's not going to happen. But, but if you take steroids and add growth hormone, then you're going to raise the bar. Totally. So with peptides, it's a bit the same thing. You know, don't count on them to get big. Let's say uh, SARMs or uh, steroids are still the base. You know, you want to get huge. Uh, 80% of the gains, muscle gain you're going to make will be made with that 20% base of uh, compounds, hormonal compounds. And then if you want to be competitive, then you have to throw in that extra 80%. You know, it's a 20-80 law to go get that extra 20% that will bring you to the top. So I'm talking about muscle building peptides. So if you're a bodybuilder, you're at the national level, you aspire for international level, then yes, you throw in those peptides because that's the difference between you coming in the tree first and not, or ending up 20th, basically. But the, it's a fine line. You know, it's not going to bring you from... 230 pounds to 270. It's a polishing quality. Exactly. So it's uh, that little extra edge, you know, and like uh, Ben Pakulski likes to say, uh, it's all in the details at that level. So it's a, 
every single details won't do much, but when you add up those details, then you will have a very nice finished product. But when you build at the beginning to go from, let's say, 170 to 240, there is no detailed work in there. You just, it's, you just pack on muscles. And it will, you know, it will pack. So peptides at this point, I didn't see any that could replace yet. Maybe one day we'll find something. I don't know. But it's not there yet where you, you could have a whole peptide-based bodybuilder. I don't see it for now. How about the cartilage for cartilage regeneration, bone density? Which one you will pick? Let's say the guy does, you know, 300 pounds uh, uh, standing shoulder press many years, mid 40, now it should all a bit. Uh, I, I, would, I would do Timazin Beta 4 with BPC 157, both in equal dosage, and with a good supplement of collagen. 10, 20 gram uh, a day collagen protein. You think the the, the body absorbs the collagen? You'd better not go it with the bone broth or something like that. Yeah, you could, or you know, but supplement. Uh, that's uh, okay. I always tell people if you want to take vitamin C, take it with an orange, so you'll get all the cofactors uh, to go with it. So you could just have a bone broth, but add collagen to it to get like 15, 20 grams a day. Uh, yes, you will digest it. The same you will digest the bone broth, but it will break down in, in smaller peptides and amino acid in certain ratios that will support the collagen buildup in the, in well, the body. Is, is, is glutamine would be a cofactor of BPC-157? Very much so if you want to heal the gut. Actually, I've seen, for those who know what Crohn's disease is, that's pretty much a worst case of uh, intestinal permeability, like you have holes, it's ridiculous. I've seen remission of uh, Crohn's disease, not healing, remission, uh, not healing of the condition, but remission that it's gone. But if you stop everything, it will come back. Uh, three months, BPC-157 at 2 milligrams per day and 50 to 80 grams of glutamine per day. They work amazingly together. Is not too much glutamine will convert in glutamate and make the person anxious? Very few cases. Because if, if you have... Always think... If there is a need for the glutamine and you do, all the glutamine will go there. There won't be conversion. It's not the same thing to supplement over a base level as if you have a hole to fill. Mm. When you have a hole to fill, it's all going to go there. When you reach a level where it's there, then it will spill over and go everywhere. Same thing. You're deficient in any mineral. Uh, if you start taking, let's say you're deficient in magnesium and then, oh, I'm deficient in magnesium, I'm going to take uh, 400 milligrams per day. That's what's recommended. Well, the only thing you're doing is maintaining that deficiency. You stop the hole to go deeper, but you're not filling up. 
So you need to go for a period of time on much higher dosages to fill the hole. And eventually when it's filled, then you go on the maintenance to maintain that normal level. Same thing with glutamine. I wouldn't do that all the time. But for the time you need to heal, yeah, you go high dosages and it works. And with BPC, it's not you have the brick and the mortar. It does miracles. Well, thank you on that. I'm going to take uh, uh, that formula I got from clapping uh, you. It's Thanks from Charles, Charles Polican, actually, uh, gut protocol and high dosages of glutamine. It's amazingly good. Scanlab.net, uh, they deliver by Canada Post, very fast, very convenient. DHL in the US, next day delivery. Uh, very fast, very practical. And is the Alpha Timers in one available now or not? No, we got. Called by surprise, we ran out big time. We're about to finish synthesis. It will be back in stock probably by the end of next week. And when the ARA 290 in GDF 11 is coming out? Oh, it's ready, but not ready for sale. We, we had a technical thing where it turns out that in its raw form, it's very, uh, it dissolves only 0.23 milligrams per ml. And you need uh, the sweet spot dosage is about four milligrams a day. So you would need like 17 ml of water to inject every day. That's way too much for most people. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, you can buffer it and change the pH of the water. So you increase the solubility. So we expect to bring it to four milligrams per ml. Where like, that's what we're doing right now so probably it will uh, it will be uh, in the vial the buffer will be you know in that little cake it's, it's so you just add the water and it's going to dissolve hopefully sometime next week it's going to come out well thank you my friend you've been awesome as always it will be posted within a few days and I'll send you a link once it's out thank you hey, you're very welcome mm -hmm.